0: and yuki Tsunoda is out of the grand prix guys this is turn one race recap with your host jeremiah and thomas we're going to talk about the 2023 italian grand prix welcome to turn one a formula one podcast and jeremiah dude this was a race there was nothing but pure racing action for 51 laps of this thing well if you don't count the formation laps i guess it's actually 50 or 49 (laughs) it was
1: i mean in terms of pure race value when you talk about number of battles the length that the battles spread out over the race the Intricacies behind the team dynamics in this race between Red Bull and Ferrari and Mercedes might be a top 10 race that we've watched. And I'm talking Dude. about this year and all the ones that we've seen historically, driver's survival, and all that, just pure race value. What a good race!
0: The strategy was so awesome to watch because you you watch these drivers, they would get right up on the back of the car in front of them, but they aren't able to make the move. So now you can see the, the cog wheels turning as they try to piece together when and where and how they're going to make this move stick in a way that they can't get taken back over or they don't lock up going into turn one or <laughs> whatever the case may be. This was a great race for the, the namesake of our show, turn
1: one. That is where all of the action was throughout the day. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about, um, qualifying some weekend observations. We're going to briefly hit turn one this week. We're going to replace that though with radio calls because turn one at the start of the race, at least was a little bit conservative from the drivers. Uh, so we'll do radio calls. We'll do key moments. You might've missed some winners and losers, and then we'll bring home the 2023 Italian Grand Prix. Jeremiah, what did you notice out of qualifying?
0: I mean, again, I have to state this every time because the man deserves it. The Williams and more specifically, Alex Albon looked amazing. He kept it in the top five, top 10, every single qualifying, every section, Q1, Q2, Q3. And and it's by large margins, too. I was thinking that he was going to be finishing around like eighth, ninth in qualifying. No, he's fifth like dominant dominant positions
1: i mean in q1 he was second to verstappen by exactly point, point 0.088 to verstappen Jeez.
0: <laughs> as far as your not so great moments of qualifying this weekend i gotta say alpine were non-existent is kind of sad to see you know there was they, you know you can blame it on esteban Ocon might have damaged his floorboard and because of that he might have been a little slower but then what's your excuse for pierre gasly at that point i mean the point is is the alpine's as a collective, did not look strong this weekend.
1: It's got to be the car, right? Because when you look, when I look at their Q1 time, which they were both out in Q1, they were both off of the leader by 0. 0.972 and 0. 0.975.
0: Yeah, that so it's not like to, they're off of each other.
1: Yeah, that leads me to think the car is limiting them to that speed right. at, at Monza.
0: And speaking of the car being a limiting factor on this track specifically with this low downforce packages that everybody's bringing... Another one is Aston Martin. I mean, here, here's where it went wrong for Lance Stroll. So in P1, it's it's not his fault, kind of. In P1, they gave the sp- the spot to Felipe Drugovich, let him get some time in. You know how they have to get the rookie in yeah. there to get some time for them and yada, 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 do tests or whatever it is. Q2, or not Q2, practice two, he had a fuel issue and was not able to get out on track. So there's another practice section where he has no practice whatsoever, no time on track. So practice three was pretty much his only running and then it's basically boom, right into qualifying later that same day. I mean, I don't really blame him for not having the best qualifying in that aspect.
1: I I guess, but these guys should be, you look at other professional sports where guys are sick or they have injuries and they immediately come in once they're back and ready to go and they just dominate. And I just, not seeing that out of a Lance Stroll. Uh, I do want to mention, if you're cool with this, the Q3 time spread for the top three. Ooh,
0: yes. Please touch on this.
1: So obviously, Carlos takes pole, which is kind of crazy wow. because this is the this is the Ferrari home race, right? The Tafosi's out it in full that. full effect. So Carlos takes pole. Max Verstappen gets second, behind by zero point zero one three seconds. 13
0: thousandths of a second
1: i mean we're talking millimeters if there's a photo fin like if they're doing this at the same time millimeters off
0: jeez and
1: then Charles leclerc off by 0.067 just
0: another millimeter (laughs) so essentially you had the entire top three separated by a tenth less than a tenth less than a
1: 10th and you have looking down at the the 10th place which was fernando alonso he was over a second to the top three which you don't normally see that in
0: qualifying so they were just cooking up at the top
1: yep they were absolutely cooking and good for carlos because him getting pole allowed him to have about as good of a day defending
0: against max verstappen as you could which he needed it right uh that's all that i have for the weekend everything else was pretty much straightforward you saw the things that you were typically going to see except for maybe mercedes not looking too hot ferrari looking very strong mclaren maybe not looking too hot that's about all i got for the weekend wrap up um as far as the qualifying sessions
1: yeah let's look at the race a little bit so going into this race obviously it's a ferrari home race so everybody's wanting ferrari to do well the announcers crofty and brundle were were Making a statement before the race and then throughout the race that Ferrari is running a team approach. So they must have had interviews with the Ferrari, uh, you know, team managers and all that throughout the week about how Ferrari was saying, we're going to go with whoever's on top and we're going to have a team strategy and all this. So they made a big point about that. And we saw that kind of play out in the race with swapping around um, Charles and signs. Verstappen is going for 10 in a row. <laughs> And Red Bull is going for a full sweep of the 2023 season, which is insane. <laughs> okay, uh, I will say, turn one, It there was a lot of, I think, action in terms of people fighting for position, but none of it really played out in much, which is why it was kind of a little bit of a dull turn one. You right. had Verstappen and Sainz having a position battles, then Sainz and Perez, Hamilton and the McLarens, uh, you know, Albon and the Mercedes. So there was a couple of things, but really, kind of the notable thing from turn one was Liam Lawson, who started next to an empty Yuki, Yuki Sonoda grid box, thanks to his uh, did not start uh, for going out in the formation lap, just doesn't move when the lights go off. And we've seen this from a couple drivers this year. So he has a full on chance to leap up into that empty Yuki spot, cover off all the people behind him, have a great race, which he still had a good race. And he just sits there and gets passed by two or three cars right off the line.
0: It's one of those things where when an opportunity like that presents itself, especially if you're in a rookie, if you're a rookie who doesn't have a seat, you have to have to capitalize on stuff like that. So for the entire grid to take off and him just sit there, <laughs> just, no,
1: come on, man, please. And he actually ended up, if you're if y'all were looking at the back of the pack, whenever the race starts, which, hey. I know the leaders are what we're watching, but if y'all are watching turn one, especially when they show the replay, or if you can rewind it, look at the back of the pack. Look at like 12 through 20, because these guys are fighting for That's spots. the danger. That's the danger zone, because that's if you're in 19th and you want a a points finish, you got to make some moves at turn one or you're not getting a points finish. And so uh, Liam Lawson, when he finally gets up and going, tries to cover off that spot, which is now filled by another driver. And he runs an Alpine wide and into the grass. <laughs>
0: Not a good so weekend for Alpine. <laughs>
1: it's his second race. He'll, he'll get there over time. Okay, let's talk a little bit about these radio calls throughout the race before we get to some of the key
0: moments. Jeremiah, what do you got? Definitely some fun radio calls. Wow. Uh, with Max Verstappen trying to catch Carlos signs in front of him, you definitely are always going to get some funny stuff from Max. Some of that being on lap four, he's trying to catch Carlos. Max comes on and says he's already sliding a bit, so it's all okay. His, his engineer comes on, understood, Max, just be sensible for the moment. In other <laughs> words, do exactly what you're doing, and eventually, Carlos will not be able to stop you anymore.
1: And, and it, it goes to show kind of the confidence with Max in that car, which is a good thing to have. Like, Max has full confidence that he is faster than everybody on track. Great. But at the same time, you don't want that idea to kind of like, okay, in 10 laps, I'm going to be passing this guy like nothing because he's cooking his tires. Because what if in 10 laps, you're not passing him, which he wasn't? and then we see a little bit of concern out of super max and his rb19
0: then we start to get some of these other things that played out like max trying to dive bomb turn one or no he was going on the outside but then carlos decided to slam the door on him in turn two causing max to have to get on that break he comes on the thing he comes on his radio he goes that was naughty (laughs) and immediately
1: after uh signs his engineers radio into him good move yeah (laughs) It's the exact and opposite. It, it was it, it to Max's point it was a little bit naughty because they were wheel to wheel almost uh, at at going into that turn and Signs held a super aggressive line that if Max had not backed out of which I don't think according to racing standards he had to back out of that. No. Then they would have both been out of the race. And so I guess to Max's point, good to back out of the turn, but Carlos was basically saying I'm holding the lead or we're both out. It's going to be one of those two.
0: I just find it funny for the guy that popped that exact same turn on top of Lewis Hamilton. And both of them were out of the race in a previous season to come on and go. That was not the
1: different, different expectations, three years of growing as a driver. I mean, if he was in a battle with Carlos signs, I think Max would have done that a lot differently, but he's not in a battle with anybody. So.
0: I don't remember which attempt this was because it was every single lap at turn one max was trying to take over carlos but on one of them going down the long straight max has the drs he's coming down about to catch up to carlos sign the oh, crofty he comes on and he goes enter the jaws theme music <laughs> and the whole time i was just duh-nah, duh-nah. this max is approaching
1: <laughs> okay i got one for you lap nine old George Russell, who has at least one good radio call per race, right? Like his sass is kind of his thing at this point. So he is, uh, he's kind of in the middle of the top 10. He's got some pressure from behind. Do you remember who was pressuring him from up? behind? Yeah, he
0: was at this time. He was behind both Ferraris and he had pressure from Perez who was behind him.
1: So his team comes on and they go, Hey, we need you to manage your tires. That was they. They asked for a couple of turns to for him for to have specific tire management, and he says, "I don't know if you can see my car right now, but I've got cars coming up my rear." He used another term, but which? Uh, I'm it, sorry. It... <laughs> oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, the the craziness that is Mercedes has twelve people on the pit wall who are highly paid and trained just to watch his car the audacity of george to come on and say i don't know if you're even watching my car
0: (laughs) that's what exactly what i was about to say is that mercedes if you look at their pit wall it's huge it's not like haas where there's two or three guys they have like five or six seven dudes all standing there and that's just the guys on the pit wall there's guys in the garage that are also checking all the charts checking all the graphs making sure everything's responding properly They are watching this car the entirety of the time from the second it's fired up to the second it's put down at the end of the race. And this man, George, comes on going, I don't know if y'all are watching.
1: And and I get what he's saying, because like you can't
0: there's a certain point
1: where you can manage tires. But if you're the driver and you know that that's going to cause you to lose race position that you're not going to get back, it's hard to give that up for tire management.
0: Yeah. And the only thing I was thinking, I was trying to picture how I would even do something like this if I was George in that scenario. And I guess it's one of those things where you stay aggressive because apparently you're fine for the rest of the turns. They didn't say anything about the other turns. So I would stay just as hyper focused and aggressive on all of the rest of the track. But then once I get to turn six, I believe is what they were wondering or wanting him to fix. I would just be super, you know, tire management guy trying to make sure that I don't have any degradation whatsoever. And then immediately back to aggressive, like right after turn six. I don't know if y'all are even watching my car. What a great line.
1: Okay, what's the next one?
0: Um, The only other ones that I have is I've got a couple where it's just Lewis Hamilton coming on saying we pit way too early to come onto the mediums uh i have the one from lap 18 this was more of a strategy one than
1: a fun one but this was we'll get into this in in key moments but this is after carlos had locked up defending against max leclerc reports that signs is struggling with the rears and then immediately after that radio message comes in the radio message from carlos comes in saying that his tires are finished basically indicating that ferrari should have hit him the lap immediately after his lockup
0: rather than running him two or three more laps yeah, at this point you're slowing down, Charles. For the rest of what he's got on his tires, Carlos is just slowing down, losing time to Max. They should have pit him. What, what the about o- the end
1: of the race ones?
0: That's exactly what I was about to say. The only other one from the end of the race that I did grab was whenever uh, Carlos or when they came on. First of all, dog fights at the end—absolute dog fights from the Ferraris going after each other. So much so is that Carlos sign comes on and <laughs> comes on and he goes, "We need to get to the end." <laughs> Guys, he's basically like help me, please.
1: He said he said, "Guys, let's let's bring this home. Let's bring this home. Please
0: help me." Oh my gosh, that was bad. That Ferrari fight at the end, that got a little nasty. We'll talk about that a little bit more, but well, and then
1: they they come onto Leclerc on lap 50 out of 51 and they say, "Charles, no risk, no risk." And Charles is out there battling for position he was risking everything it's like
0: Charles, no risk no risk locks up all four tires going into turn one dive bombing
1: <laughs> like 10 seconds after that radio message popped up oh
0: my god hey, that was
1: great conspiracy theory this is the tofosi home race was that just a show Oh, I didn't think about that. No, there's no way he's he's locking up all four tires as part of an act.
0: Well, they didn't have anybody behind him, so there was no pressure for him getting that overtake done. George was way back there, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, So it was really just those two up there. I think Charles just wanted that podium. I mean, it's the home team. They're two drivers for Ferrari going after the podium. He doesn't want to be the teammate that doesn't get it, because then you're the slower teammate. All
1: right, let's look at some key moments.
0: You want to? Let's go for it.
1: Here's number one. I, I have five key moments and then an honorable mention because it, it really messed up somebody's race. But first one, lap six, Verstappen was, I mean, for the first six laps, Verstappen was gunning for that overtake. And you notice whenever they brought up their battery indicators, Verstappen was killing his battery too, trying to get past Signs. Now Signs was yeah. cooking his tires, but Verstappen was killing his battery. There was on lap six, a key moment where Verstappen was swerving in and out behind signs. He had DRS. He went on the outside for the overtake and it was the best overtake he he had so far and signs held the lead and max actually, I think locked up and it, it actually pushed max down to back to like 0.8 or one second behind. Whereas he was at like 0.2 every lap up before that. And so not only did it keep signs in
0: the lead, It kept Charles in the race behind Max at that point. That's exactly what I was about to say is I remember this because I remember Charles Leclerc almost right off the bat was immediately like a second away from the fight. It was, I mean, Carlos and Max took off and Carlos or Charles was just kind of sitting back there. All right, I'll be here. See you at the end. Yeah. But eventually with Max, you know, trying to do those dive bombs and turn one or go around the outside, whatever attempt he was trying for that specific round, that slowed him down quite a bit, and I thought that with Car- with Charles being able to get the DRS, I thought maybe that Charles would be able to bring the fight back to Max, and what I really wanted to see, and I think that Ferrari needed, was if somehow Carlos could have slowed down Max enough that Charles could have got in front of Max, and then Max would have had to take over two Ferraris to take the lead. And I think Ferrari would have had a way better shot at winning this race if they had just been able to make that stick.
1: They, there were a couple of strategical things with Ferrari throughout the day that brought things into question, like switching the drivers around, you know, the tire management, maybe the pit stop strategy of when they, when they pick Carlos, when they didn't pick Carlos, they didn't double stack it. They, they ran one around, then they ran the other end. Um A couple of things like that. <clears throat> Number two, your boy, Alex Albon for the first 15 laps had over a second lead on both McLarens. Not only did he start in sixth, the guy performed until he went for the undercut on lap 15 when he pitted, which ended up working for him, that undercut on lap 15. Him holding off both Piastri and Norris behind him allowed him to finish where he did in seventh.
0: I'll go one further, because I don't know if you remember this one. It was either lap one or lap two. Albon got passed by one of those McLarens to which his immediate response was, no, 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 this is my spot, not yours. And he takes it back in the Williams. I was was, like, no, it was Piastri.
1: Piastri got around him and he took it right back. And then he immediately got up to over a second. So they couldn't get DRS on him. And again, for 15 laps held that lead over them.
0: Which, to, for those of you that don't regularly watch F1, if a team like a Williams, a Haas, a Alfa Romeo, or whatever, gets into the top 10 and qualifying, has a great run, when the race starts, there is no passing people. You get passed. And the thing is, is damage control. You want to limit how much you get passed. Not only did he get passed, but he made a pass. That's something that you do not do with a backmarker car in the top 10. You just don't. So to see Alex Albon bring in the fight, and he's like, no, 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 this is my spot. You are not fast enough to compete with me here. That was awesome. It
1: was great. Great race from Albon. Number three, this uh, is a little bit harder to quantify in terms of like duration of the race, but I took the note on lap eight that the top five cars were all within 3.4 seconds of the leader. Now, that actually ended up holding for much longer than lap eight. That actually went all the way to the pit stops, which started on lap 15 and ran through like lap 28 when Lewis pit or whenever, because I believe he was the last one. And then whenever they all came back out, they were almost within that same time period of three to five seconds. That is not what we have seen this whole year. That's not usually what you see in any F1 year. Usually at that point, the leaders got three seconds by themselves and second place has three seconds and so on. Not the top five, all within three and a half seconds.
0: No, this race was very bunched up for the entirety of the like all 51 laps and I enjoyed it. It's it's not even like all of the cars were actually stacked up on each other. It's that there were so many different cars that were stacked on each other that wherever you wanted to look around this track, you could see a fight happening. Yep.
1: And and I mean, I we always, you know, tell and encourage people to like watch the not the backmarkers, watch the middle of the field, watch some of the cars trying to fight to get points cuz there's some good battles there. But it was nice to see a top 5 fight. <laughs>
0: Dude, the top five digging at each other. Mercedes going at it with McLaren. Ferrari going at it with Red Bull. Oh my gosh. The fact that anybody was able to bring the fight to Red Bull for the first time this season. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Okay, number four. This is...
1: Okay, when you start in pole and you're Carlos Sainz and you're defending against Max Verstappen, I hate to say it, you have to run a perfect race. You cannot Mm -hmm. make a single mistake. And for the first 14 laps, Carlos was perfect. His defending perfect. was perfect. His battery use was perfect. His tire management was a little questioned, but he he just had to make it to the pit stop, right? He started on mediums. He just had to make it to switch to hards. That's all he had to do, and then he would have been back in the fight. Lap 15 comes. He's in that dogfight with Verstappen, which Verstappen really hadn't had a good chance um, from lap six, where we talked about earlier. That was his last, like, really, really good attempt. Lap 15 is another recreation of lap six. Carlos just goes too hard in the turn, locks up. He either cooks his tire or burns a flat spot on it or overheats it, something. But he locks up. He holds the lead through turn one, but Max swings around on the outside and like immediately takes it going around turn three and four. That was his mistake. It was a mistake. you 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 can't afford that.
0: He took turn one way too deep, which caused him to have a horrible angle for turn two. And because of that, he wasn't able to get the car fully turned around. Max took advantage of this. So he actually went really wide for turn one on purpose so that he could position himself to cut in early on turn two. Therefore, he was getting on the power pretty much the exact same time signs was, if not earlier. So that pass was bound to happen. There was no fighting it. The fact that the Ferrari was able to keep it side by side going into the next couple turns before he finally did get that overtake finished, I was surprised because, like I said, Max got on the power faster. That Red Bull is faster. So the fact that the Ferrari was able to stay side by side with him going into that turn, which made it to where Max couldn't guarantee he was going to get this move done. That's awesome stuff, man.
1: One of the radio calls that we, we forgot to mention. I don't know how we forgot this the overconfidence of Max saying that Carlos was sliding 10 laps later, Max comes on and says, guys, the Ferrari's fast
0: top. speed." Yes. He talked about the Ferrari top speed being really fast. That's because he, That's- he couldn't catch Carlos. No <laughs> with DRS. He was, that was the only time he was able to finally start making a move on him. But then I don't know. I could be wrong on this. I think they moved the DRS zone. It's up. up? Yeah. Okay. Because it's I like, feel like half that- of the straight. Yeah, I feel like they didn't have any time with the DRS before it was already boop turn one.
1: I think it's I think it's always been that way, and I could be wrong, but I think the drivers usually get the slipstream the whole length of that mm. straightaway, and so that helps. But it is odd that for that long of a straightaway it's that short. And maybe, maybe we should look into this. Maybe there's some kind of limit on how big a DRS zone could be. Cause think of how big of an advantage that is having that length
0: of pure but DRS. Think about, think about the Azerbaijan straight. <laughs> The start, yeah, finish, their DRS yeah. and they, they shortened that, they brought the yeah. DRS zone way short, but that is still massive,
1: yeah. And, and uh, so, the next thing that happens off this, this is number four of the key moments. Uh, this doesn't they should have pit him right after. I there's no other way to put that. He ran for two or three more laps after he locked up. And when you lock up, like he did, and it was a like it wasn't like a you know a half a second, like there was significant white smoke coming from Carlos's tires. You gotta go get new tires immediately. And I know the announcers were saying he would have come back in traffic. He lost like eight seconds over those next two laps.
0: Dude, did you see his pit when he finally did come in? It was like a 3.3 or 3.2. There were a couple, there were a couple
1: of bad pit stops in that race from
0: he needed to come in pit for a 2.2, 2.1, immediately get back out there. And then here's another problem. They talked about this in, um, the pre the interviews afterwards, but the problem is, is that max was on a strategy to take his tires to 20 laps. Then he was going to jump onto the hards and take those for 30 laps. That's the race Ferrari. They were needing, like could not keep going to pit on lap 15 So it's that he was talking about this. He said it was about a five-lap window that Red Bull could stretch their tires longer. So on the hards, they could go five laps longer. On the mediums, they could go five laps longer. And that, even if he was able to make it to the pit, he would have had to fight his tires for five laps longer than he wanted to because the Red Bull was just that much more, I mean, more consistent with the degradation.
1: Okay, last one. I'm going to do a combo here of Lewis Hamilton's day. Lewis Hamilton went for the overcut. I believe he was the last driver to pit. He was one of the only three that started on the hards, mm-hmm. uh, and I can't remember who the other two were. But he started on the hards. He was the highest one up on hards, which, like Jeremiah just mentioned, your strategy is to go about thirty-ish laps or so. He didn't, and then, and then he didn't, and then switched to the mediums for twenty-ish laps because the mediums don't last as long. He went like twenty-six. Where did Bad. he go? No, twenty-eight. Bad. He went twenty-eight laps.
0: Uh, it
1: kind of worked
0: yeah i will say he had a lot of speed on those mediums at the end he was making his moves it got him up all the way to where he was right behind his teammate it was interesting i guess i guess it did play out for him i feel like he could have made the hards last a little bit longer
1: he could have and he had the concerning radio message as well which was guys there's a lot of laps left (laughs) (laughs) uh but the other the other part of this the reason it's kind of a combo So he gets hit with a five-second penalty. Do you remember what that five-second penalty was for?
0: Yeah, he was side-by-side with Oscar Piastri, and then under breaking, squeezes Oscar all the way to the outside white line to the point that they make contact and both of them have to go off.
1: So here's my issue with this, and and Formula One's not perfect. We recognize that. There's situations that come up that when you apply the rules, just doesn't sit right with you. We talked about this, I think, Earlier this year was at Australia when Carlos got that five second penalty on that fraudulent last formation lap. They did that put him from like fourth to 12th or something like that. So in this case, Lewis does not give racing room runs both of the cars off the track, makes contact with the guy and kills Oscar Piastri's day. Oscar would have gotten what? sixth or seventh maybe. Yeah. And Lewis only gets a five second penalty. I don't, He clearly caused that.
0: (laughs) Not only did he clearly cause that he was, he has way more experience years under his belt compared to the rookie Oscar Piastri. So there's no other way around this. He should have known better. I mean, he should have known if you're going to be side by side with Piastri, sorry, you're going to have to take that turn. Not efficiently. You're going to have to obscure your line just a little bit. You no longer get to take the perfect line. There is a car there.
1: And and going back to the, the overcut thing. So I'll say that worked because he started in eighth, right. And he finished in sixth. Uh, so it kind of worked, but I just, I didn't like how Piastri got his day ruined. I guess that's just a, Hey, welcome to F1. This is how things go (laughs) type of thing. Yes, But yeah. Okay. So those were your, those were your key moments. I think those all had a pretty big impact on the day. The Verstappen Ferrari battle. We talked about the Ferrari battle at the end of the race and the radio calls and then Hamilton just taking out the rookie, (laughs) Piastri.
0: I'll throw in a a couple honorable mentions for myself before we touch winners and losers here. Uh, I did want to point out the battle. I don't remember if it was lap 23, 24, Lando and Oscar. When Oscar was coming out of the pits, that was dangerous. Oscar's coming out of the pits. They're going into turn one. Lando has to go wide, and Oscar doesn't get the car turned all the way kind of kind of closes the door on Lando there. <laughs> maybe that was
1: karma then that Lewis
0: <laughs> t- t- took him out. It definitely he... hurt Lando a little bit. They, they their tires popped pretty good together. Yep. I mean, it looked it looked way harder than I think it actually ended up being.
1: That just goes to the situational awareness I think cuz I don't think there's anything Piastri could have done about Lewis with what he did, but maybe Deciding what fights are there to take and what fights aren't there to take. Because when you're Lewis Hamilton and you're trying to get up to you know sixth or fifth in a race, you're gonna be taking risks because fifth or sixth isn't good enough. So you're gonna do whatever you can to get those points.
0: We said that we were gonna touch on this earlier, and I don't think we've gotten to it yet. The battle between Charles and Signs to end off this race. We touched on it just slightly, talking about the radio messages, sending to play it. Play it cool. Everybody be cool. Let's just get to the end. Carlos, he was giving it everything he had to keep Max behind him. That didn't work. Keep Sergio behind him. Sergio finally got him. And then keep Charles behind him. I mean, Charles was dogging it out, trying to get that position.
1: Side note real quick before Charles, you mentioned Sergio. We've noticed a pattern of Sergio not really getting overtakes right. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Trying to we to touch on this.
1: Trying to pass Carlos. So going back to Austria, do you remember when it was Perez and signs again, where Sergio would be coming up to a turn and he would get ahead of Carlos just before the DRS detection zone, go bad into the turn. Cause he broke, he braked late. And then Carlos would get ahead of him with DRS and he did that like eight times
0: in a row. Finally, he caught on, slowed down and it... <laughs> past the DRS detection zone behind Carlos so that he could get him on the DRS zone. We saw a very oh. similar situation in this race where Sergio just kept taking the
1: poor outside line at turn one and locking up and breaking late and then finally takes the inside line when he gets the pass, and you're like thank you
0: he was i guess he had fine. i, I want to say he wanted to try it on a lap earlier than that but carlos must have just slammed the door early and taken that inside yeah. line because when he finally gets this job done he goes to the inside line like the second he gets on the straight he's not playing any games not trying to do any kind of tricks he's staying right here and he's taking this line uh back to charles and carlos though man charles was giving it everything
1: he wanted that that podium
0: dude all of the all of the degradation that carlos was given to those tires during the max fight during the sergio fight charles did all of that same degradation in the last two laps trying to take it from signs <laughs> he was just giving it man
1: and it was it it really started my notes on this started at least around lap 47 where you actually have leclerc passing signs for third on that straight but then he locks up going into turn Mm -hmm. one. They go wheel to wheel signs locks up on that second chicane. I forget what the name of the chicane is,
0: but he was in front of uh, Leclerc at that point.
1: They both run off the track.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. You're talking about, okay. So they had a couple battles.
1: They had a couple and then signs got third back and then you go two laps later. And that's when signs is like, guys, Oh, let's, I want, I want, I want this third spot. Let's bring it home. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, Let's make sure that we finish. <laughs> and with the timing, so the radio messages are delayed by a good bit, usually about a lap or so. So with the timing of that radio message seems to me like he said that right after they both had their lockup incidents fighting against each other.
0: And then quite literally the very next lap, the exact same turn, they do almost the exact same thing.
1: And it was all on Leclerc. Like, I mean, I know Carlos is defending, but Leclerc was he could have ended their race on, on lap 49 or 50.
0: This last little bit, it's going to, I want to mention this. It ties into this fight that they were having when they were in the cool down room. uh, And it was max sitting there with Sergio and Carlos. They were watching the screen and it showed uh, Charles giving it everything. He had dive bombing the corner, locking up all four tires and trying to get that pass on Carlos. And Max goes, that was on the last lap. Right. And at that point, you know, they all agreed and they just kept talking. And then, a little bit later, it goes back to Crofty, and he brought up a good point. Hey, how does Max know that? Why does Max know what was going on on the last lap behind him?
1: You know, we brought this up before, referencing back to, like, when they're at Abu Dhabi. Fernando and they have those, well, Fernando Alonso looking at the TV screens in Canada, I think, and then at Abu Dhabi, they have all of those screens around the track, and all the drivers are watching all the TV screens. I think they just have the best situational awareness of where every car is on the track. And maybe they're talking to their engineers a lot more than we hear on the broadcast. Sure. I don't know what they can see on their, their like wheel screen, like their steering wheel screen. I don't think they can see positions, but maybe uh, they just have a lot of situational awareness. And when you're max and you're leading the race by six seconds, you can kind of look around.
0: I just think it's funny that it gets to a point to where he's no longer racing, but it's just watching the race. <laughs> he's just a spectator <laughs> while on the track. <laughs> just.
1: And it was it was lap 51 where uh, Charles locked up at turn one and went off at that chicane at turn one. He, he went in the escape road.
0: I just thought that was pretty funny that like he's just sitting back there chilling.
1: <laughs> All right. So the race ends your your race order is Verstappen, Perez, Signs, Leclerc, Russell, Hamilton, Albon, Norris, Alonzo and Faltteri Botas. Getting oh, a little yeah. point getting a little action.
0: Give me this. Who are your winners? Winners for number one, Red Bull, for obvious reasons. I have to, you know, you can put them for every single one, but realistically, the reason they're listed today is because the records that have broken. I mean, Max Verstappen winning 10 straight, and then Red Bull getting number 15, I think it was. A a streak that's been so long that it's not just this season. They sweep this season and wins from the previous season. It's just, it's unreal my next winner, I'm going to give one to Sergio. That dude put up a fight. He had to get past Russell who put up one heck of a fight against him. Then Charles Leclerc, maybe not so much. He kind of moseyed his way past Charles, but Carlos gave it to him to make sure that Sergio did not get past him. So watching that was also really cool. I have to give Sergio his flowers per se on that one. Another big one. We talked about him a lot these past four or five races, and it's time that I'm going to put some serious respect on his name. Alex Albon. This man is regularly qualifying top 10, regularly finishing top 10. It's no longer sometimes squeezes through and gets a 10th place finish. No, he's getting 7th, 8th, ninth regularly at this point. And if this man is not in a top seat within the next two seasons, I'm going to be very upset. He's
1: doing exactly what someone in his situation needs to be doing. You get
0: exactly,
1: you're not expected to win at Williams. Like it's not like, you know, it's not like the way that drivers get promoted is that they're in a Williams or an Alpha Tari and they win three races in a row and oh, I'll get them on top seat. No, no, it's get points, finish the races
0: consistently. Don't make,
1: don't make mistakes, have good uh, on-track moves and dynamics. And the past couple of races, just where, th- where he's at, I know he's not in the top 10 of points or anything like that, but he's really been showing, putting on a show the past I don't know, three or five races.
0: Yeah. And then it, it doesn't help when every single race, you're like six spots ahead of your teammate, seven, <laughs> every single race. He's
1: in, he's currently 13th at 21 points. There's a good bit of the season left. He could, he could crack in the top ten. That would be if, wild if if Lance Stroll continues to not get points. If the Alpines continue to not get points, it, it,
0: it could happen. I want to I want to see him bringing the fight to the Alpines because if a Williams is bringing the fight to the two Alpine drivers, that should speak volume. Okay, is he your last one? Oh no, I've got uh three more. I'm gonna kind of breeze through you these. Get the whole yeah, grid is winners. winners. <laughs> it's a good race, man. It's a good race, and you you. Uh, If you can disagree with me on any of these, I'll be shocked. That's why I have so many. Next one, Carlos signs disagree. Okay, yeah, (laughs) battling Max Verstappen off for fifteen laps, he couldn't cut it. You're right, loser. (laughs) Now he's
1: he's again. It was that one mistake, and you can't blame a guy for one. Max Verstappen even makes mistakes in race. Remember what was it? Was it Spa where he almost flew off the track,
0: and then he giggled about it on the radio.
1: So you can't fault him for one mistake. I think that was about as good of a race as you can have against Verstappen.
0: Yeah. And then against Perez too, just, and then to still get the podium from his vicious teammate. That was awesome stuff. I have Valtteri Bottas on here and there's a reason why. So check this out. Alfa Romeo and Sauber are done at the end of this season. Now, Alfa Romeo is home, his home base is Italy. Just like Ferrari. So this was Alfa Romeo and Sauber's last home Grand Prix because Sauber's based somewhere else. And then whenever they mix, whenever they get a new contract with whoever they're going to go with, I don't remember who it is, but whoever they go to next, they're going to be, their location is going to change. It's no longer going to be Italy. So for, for Valtteri Bottas to come in 10th, bring points home to the team on their last home Grand Prix. I thought that was a magical moment and I gave him a win.
1: Is it that, I was trying to look it up real quick because I couldn't remember either. Is it that Salber is going to continue a team, Alfa Romeo's yeah. out, and then Salber yeah. partnering with Audi in 26?
0: Yeah, Salber has never been out of the sport. They right. just keep changing who their uh, technical partner is.
1: It kind of stinks for Alfa Romeo, but I've never really thought of them as a dominant car manufacturer so
0: you you think that but then if you go back into the 1950s alberto Ascari and the ferraris alfa romeo was a huge name back then and it turns yeah. out they've got some serious f1 lineage i had no idea
1: i guess for us it's kind of like the Renault thing where like I had never heard of Renault before watching F1, but they're like a big name European car manufacturer. And I, I'm Canada. sorry if you're if you're in Europe watching this and you're like, oh, dumb Americans, you didn't know Renault was a thing? I mean, I'm sure we've got brands y'all don't know about, but.
0: Yeah, and last time I checked, I don't go walking around Italy staring at Corvettes. Just pure American muscle. <laughs> uh, my last winner, Liam Lawson. Bad start but the dude finished 11th in an alpha Tari without his reference of Yuki Sonoda next to him.
1: He's doing okay. I mean, I know it's he not finished ahead
0: seat. of, he finished ahead of Sergeant finished ahead of Joe Guan. Yu, finished ahead of stroll. Those are people that he's going to be regularly fighting with. And he finished ahead of them. It's his second race in an F1 seat ever he's
1: if he can do that for the rest of the season and i don't expect him to get points this season but i think he he won't
0: be back in that seat next race i think it's back to ricardo but
1: well yeah if whatever his is left of his race time if he can get top 12 13 ish he's making a case to be the next guy on the grid making a case for it because he didn't have the dominant f2 history that we saw out of like piastri or anything like that he was a podium guy right but not over-the-top champion in everything that he's ever done in his life.
0: He's got if some he, serious skills. He did really well in skills. the lower series.
1: It's like in the NFL. You see the guys that are sometimes really successful came from the small colleges or whatever, where they were just really good at their place, but nobody knew about them. Maybe he's in that kind of boat. Okay, quickly, art Red Bull. Uh, we don't need to talk about that. Carlos signs and Ferrari. You had a good point on this where... He did about as good as you could against Max Verstappen. He also held off Charles. He fought Perez for a little bit. Hooking your tires and your batteries that much in a race and to still finish uh, where he did in third. eh, Pretty good day. And then my final winner, Alex Albon, for the same points that you mentioned. He should be the guy that gets whatever seat opens up next. Most likely an Alpine.
0: I hope not. I really hope not. Now, I really, the, really hope not. The That crazier is things. so bad.
1: We were talking about this before we started recording, um, both Ferrari, as far as we can find both Ferrari drivers, contracts are up after next season, 2024. You could see Red Bull pivoting to, and so is Sergio Perez. You could see Red Bull pivoting to a number, another number two driver, whether that be Carlos, probably not Charles, but maybe, uh, That could open up a Ferrari seat. There could be a Red Bull seat open, although I don't think Red Bull's going to bring back Albon, although crazier things have happened. Uh, I don't see McLaren having an open seat for like the next
0: eight years. (laughs) (laughs) Unless one of the top teams steals away the young town of Oscar or more realistically, Lando Norris, uh, I don't see a McLaren seat opening up. I really hope that if he does get a spot with a better team, it's not Alpine. They're not that much better. No, I'm they're sorry. Not. They're not.
1: Okay. Real quick. Who are your losers?
0: Losers. I hate putting this because I have to generalize it and I don't want to Aston Martin, Fernando, you did what you could. I love you, dog. I know you tried. You got 10th or ninth. Good finish. But Aston Martin just does not look good on low on low downforce tracks. I mean, he did not do good. The practice sessions didn't go good. The qualifying didn't go good. Lance Stroll could not figure out that car. Couldn't get out of what he'd never got above. Oh, he finished 16th. I was going to say didn't get above 18th. Um, Aston Martin did not look good on this track. Hopefully we'll go to more tracks that'll have higher downforce and it'll suit their car better. They'll be faster in turns. We'll see some podiums in the future. Not this race. Haas loser for me i hated saying this because i love my boys but they finished 17th 18th with nico qualifying wasn't it top 10 or no no he was like in 11th or 12th he was 13th okay and then ended up right above magnuson 17th and 18th jeez i don't know what their deal is but hopefully hopefully we just go to a different track and they have a better car that suited better because this is not this one losers big time big time losers alpine non-existent this entire weekend non-existent completely all practice sessions all qualifying the whole race good you could have taken them they could have dnf'd when the race started i wouldn't even even have noticed but both
1: were out in q1 if you're a top five team you gotta have somebody make it to q2 and three
0: that's why i say if albon goes to anybody it better not be alpine i just i don't see them as a good team whatsoever Another loser for the day, McLaren. This one is a little bit, you know, it's different. I'm not saying they're a loser because they did bad. They didn't do bad. In fact, Piastri kind of got screwed out of his points at the end there. I'm calling them a loser because they've been finishing in the top six regularly, and neither one of them finished above eight. Struggling a little bit last two races or so. I think I want to say I really want to pin this on the track. I really don't think McLaren is built for the low downforce, just pure speed package. I really think that they've been bringing these upgrades to allow them to cut through the turns better, which is why they compete really well at the same time that Mercedes is competing really well at the same time that Aston Martin is competing really well. They all have a car geared towards turns.
1: okay. We're pretty much on the same page this week. First loser, Haas, garbage. <laughs> I mean they used to have that whole like qualifying high thing like somebody getting in the in q three they're they've lost that the past couple of weeks. Loser number two, Oscar Piastri. Ooh. Because of the Hamilton situation, yeah, he lost. I get it. He was the loser on that end of that battle because Hamilton only got a five-second penalty and he got kicked out of the points. <laughs> There's a loser there. And then finally, Aston Martin. Now, I mentioned this last week, and Jeremiah gave me some crap. He's like, oh, you can't say Aston Martin's a loser just because Lance Stroll isn't performing. Yet this week, Jeremiah labels Aston Martin as a loser. And he said, "He said if that's the case, then put Aston Martin as a loser every single week." All right.
0: <laughs> the only reason I put Aston Martin on here as a loser is not because of the drivers at all. I didn't put Lance Stroll in this or or Fernando Alonso. I put them as a loser because they built a car that cannot handle Monza.
1: They were Alonso was, I mean, in line to be the number two driver this year. They were absolutely in line to be the number two constructor this year and where are they this week they've been passed by ferrari they are now fourth they are a midfield team they are no longer an elite competitor they are not in line to win races they're not in line to get podiums really at this point what a drop off i mean still a way better season than last season for aston martin like no doubt about it but what a disappointment from the first half of the year to this back half of the year
0: it's tough. You have to bring yourself back down to reality because you have to remember that the first race of the season does not dictate how the last race of the season is going to go. These teams bring upgrades. These teams have money and Aston Martin is a newer team in the sense of being a front running team. They've been a backmarker marker team for years. The seventh place finished last season. So for them to be in fourth, you have to bring your expectations back down for them to be in fourth is absolutely incredible. And if they finish fourth, it'll be stunning for a team to go from seventh to jumping three spots and getting in fourth to finish the next season, beating out Alpine, beating out McLaren. That is unrealistic.
1: Well, we said this earlier in the season whenever Aston Martin was doing pretty well, but Lance Stroll wasn't. Lance Stroll hasn't done well all season. No. We said Alonzo has to be getting top two or three every single race to keep race. Aston Martin in the fight. And he got uh, he got second last week in the Netherlands you have to go all the way back
0: to the Canadian GP, like six races before to find his last podium before that there was, there was two, two factors that we had had in that it wasn't just that fernando had to finish at you know xyz position in order for them to get this the other the other prerequisite for them to have a competitive season was they had to be able to bring upgrades to the car at the same rate that ferrari and mercedes are bringing upgrades to their cars because at that point you have to be moving at the same pace as the cars that are behind you otherwise obviously they're gonna pass you So, I don't think they've been bringing as big of packages, as big of upgrades for every single race in the way that Ferrari, and the way that McLaren, I mean, we saw what McLaren did. They went from a back marker to arguably the second or third best car on the grid. So... It's tough. It's tough. I want to see them bring upgrades because I know if they bring in the upgrades, Fernando Alonso will deliver the results. And then Lance Stroll will always be the wild card. Are they too far out of the
1: fight now to get back to second? I think so.
0: To get back to second, yes, I think that they could make a case for maybe getting third, but the problem is, is that with Ferrari starting to figure out their car bringing good upgrades, they have two dominant drivers. So unless Aston Martin just has a car that just blows Ferrari out of the water, one driver versus two drivers is is never going to line up ever.
1: All right, guys, that is our recap of the 2023 Italian Grand Prix. Let us know if there was any fight that you were watching, not inside the top five or 10 that you think we should have talked about.
0: Guys, if you think that Liam Lawson deserves the next Red Bull seat, I'm inclined to believe you. And I think we can make it happen.
1: All right, guys, see it.
0: Bye, guys.